Mark Stein here getting educated on the Mavs, listening to the all-knowing Jeff Skinwade and Bobby Corolla on the Numbers on the Boards podcast. Welcome. Numbers on the boards. I'm Bobby. He's Skin. Hello. What's up? Man, we're uh, over here at Offsite Kitchen, not far from the Mavs facilities. We just wolfed down some burgers. We did. We talked some Mavs basketball, and now we decided to break out the microphones and talk into them and record our Maverick conversation. Yeah, it's too bad. We talked for like an hour and a half about it, and yeah. then I forgot that we weren't recording. So I'm sorry. We're, I'm making you do this again. We're just going to say everything we just said exactly over again in perfect order. But we're going to say it twice as fast. Right. Yeah, because it's uh, it's Monday afternoon. Uh, it is the 5th of November right now. So you'll remember this podcast for many reasons, not only because we recorded it this day, but also because uh, we're making some history. This is the first time we've ever recorded an outdoor numbers on the boards. I we're think just, that's right. Yeah. Every single time we do this, we're doing it. We're doing ones on the road. I'm right. on the road. You're home. We're doing right. ones over the phone. Now we're doing one out outside. It's just on the just, court. We've done on the court. Yeah, we've done on the court. We're innovators, man. But we've never done sitting at picnic style benches after demolishing hamburgers. Never. No. no this or is a cheeseburgers, first. as it were. Yeah. So I had the one that had peanut butter on it. it oh good. wow. Yeah. My, peanut- my son would love that. He just wants you to just wipe off the peanut butter and then he'd eat that. Oh, he just likes peanut just, butter? Yeah, peanut butter and jelly. That's so his jam. So I'm, I'm kind of a, a weirdo. Like, if I get, like, a cupcake or a cake or any type of dessert, like, frosting is too much for me. Uh-huh. So I'll just, like, I'll take the cake. You want to hear something crazy? I'm a big, I like the cake, too. Followell's an icing guy. Really? He just, he'll just eat the icing. Are you kidding me? No, I've seen God, My sister's like that, too. It's weird. Shocking. Well, my sister was like that. I'm sure she's her tastes have changed now, but... No, that's, she's got to be weird, pigeonholed man. as that forever. Sorry, yeah, Lisa. Just like, just like Followell. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're either a Followell or a Skin. Right. You're, you're not. You, you can be both. No if you're between. both, you're Harp. And exactly. that's just yeah. nobody can be Harp. Yeah. There's only one Derek Harp. Right. Okay. So as it stands now, uh, you'll be listening to this podcast on Wednesday after the Mavs hopefully uh, end their losing streak. They because, better be three and seven, Bob. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, they better have been like four and four too, but. Things have gone. Uh, things haven't gone that well. They're on a six-game losing streak right now. Uh, you Who know, saw that coming? I don't think anybody, man. Honestly, I know they didn't. Yeah, no, and I they say definitely. they as the collective Mavs. I think there's like a lot of, you know, roller skating backwards on a greasy floor going on right now. It's like, what did? What are we doing? Why did we just do that? Yeah. Well, in like your two games. So when was the last time we talked? That was right before San Antonio. So we haven't talked about this the Spurs game or the Lakers game, and. Um, you know, those games were, uh, I think, very winnable. Uh, absolutely. The Lakers game more so. Uh, the Spurs game probably a little less so. It kind of felt like they, like, would have stolen that game. But right. you got to do that every now and then. Dude, you, you have a chance games. to make a free throw to go up one with 1. Yeah. 1.7 or 2.1 or whatever it was. Yeah, gravity was playing some pretty cruel tricks on Dennis, yeah. I think, on that free throw attempt. But uh, yeah, That's the- one of those where you leave and go, God, what a great effort. But, oh, my God, we're, we're in a bad place. We better get a win. Uh, because we've lost four in a row, and then you lose the Laker game, and you're down 29-12 before you blink. Yeah. So did you know of their – I'm sure you do know this. You know everything. Of their nine <laughs> games, they have had double-digit deficits in six of the nine games. I did not know now, that Now, at, at all. the time that I got that stat, it was going into the Knicks game, and it had been five of eight. The next worst in that regard as of last Thursday – 
was Phoenix with three. Wow. Okay, and keep in mind that one of your double-digit deficits was to Phoenix. Phoenix on opening night. And I don't believe they held a double-digit lead in that game at any point. We um, we had said at the beginning of the season that the plan was to get Luca and DeAndre in here and fix the bad starts of last year and then have the second unit do damage, and it's just the same song, second verse. Yep. They have got to fix the first quarter and then, as was the case, and it's the same group of guys, the third quarter that we yep. saw against New York, for example, I think that they got up three after starting off horribly and were like, all right, it's the Knicks, we're at home, we got this. And then the Knicks came and pasted them in the second half. Yep, yep absolutely. Dude, it is, it's so weird because not, sometimes, like, they'll have a bad first. So, against the Lakers, for example, I believe they had a horrible first quarter, and then the starters came in in the third quarter and are actually fine. They were good enough right but the, the start buried them other times they'll get off to a great start like they did against the hawks and then in the third quarter they just it falls apart right you know sometimes the bench will play great and the starters won't sometimes the starters will play great and the bench won't sometimes they'll play great for about five minutes and then for the other 43 it's like what is happening it's the, just the biggest so problem weird, right man. now is that initial five of wesley and harrison and luca and dennis and deandre are not tied together and it's way worse defensively than it is offensively but it ain't pretty offensively yep. it could be better uh, and you see it a lot on the lobs and things like that where they're just not tied in yet but the defense is a huge problem Mm. And it has to be resolved, and they have to be better. There's got to be more resistance on the perimeter because, you know, if guys are getting blown by, everything collapses. Yep. And so, you know, there's offensive chemistry, there's defensive chemistry, there's off-the-floor chemistry. There's all different kinds of chemistry at work. And There's they, science chemistry. There's science chemistry. There's the periodic table of elements. Yep. Uh, and so right now I think the number one – uh, thing in need of cohesion is their defensive chemistry with that five. Yeah. So um, I'm glad that you're actually going there. It's it's difficult sometimes to, to talk about or even understand defense because even though every defense's objective is to get a stop, right? Right. Almost every team plays differently because some teams, like the Lakers, for example, have lineups where every player one through five can switch. Most teams will have you know, maybe two through four can switch, and then your point guard won't and your center won't. Some teams your point guard can switch, but your center still doesn't. So, like, every team plays a little differently. Some teams are designed to, uh, like the Jazz, they want to steer you into Gobert. Uh -huh. Some teams want to keep you out of the middle. Like, the Mavs don't want to let you into the paint at all. Right. Because if the, if you do, you are going to beat them. So, that I actually have a stat for that. So, through their first nine games, this is not counting uh, the Wizards. So, through their first nine games... They held opponents below the league average number of drives per game, which is 42 and a half, basically, is what your 15th place team is averaging in that. They held them below that number seven times. So in seven of their games, they've done a really good job of limiting drives. But six times, opponents have scored a higher percentage of points on those drives than the league average. So basically, you're not getting into the paint a lot, but if you do, you're scoring virtually every time. I mean, like, yeah. some of these games... If you, if you drive the ball, you're scoring points on that drive, either from a bucket or an assist, like 60% of the time. And you drive, like even a low drive game is like 40. Right. So if you're scoring on 60% of 40 drives, you're mm -hmm. getting like, that's like 40, 50, 60 points, depending on where the shots come from. And then God forbid they start making threes to go along with that. Exactly. Then you're getting your, you're getting your hat handed to yeah, you. Yeah, so it's like a, their system is designed to limit dribble penetration, mm -hmm. but in the event that you close out too hard and you get beat or you're 
you think a screen is coming, so you doze for half a second, and then the guy blows by you. Like, whenever they do get beat, it is just catastrophic. Yeah. Just like threes. When they allow open threes, it's been bad. And, dude, it's hard for a guy like DeAndre back there when he's got to make a decision. Whereas, like, think about uh, Robinson and the Knicks. If DeAndre comes over to help, it's a dunk. Yeah. And it's probably an offensive rebound and a dunk or maybe a pass and a dunk. So, you know, yes, DeAndre's supposed to clean up messes back there on aisle nine, but, you know, you want to have more resistance up front first. Yeah, and, I mean, that starts with, you know, we're not trying to throw stones or anything. Obviously, every young player pretty much in the league is bad at defense. Mm -hmm. But Dennis is kind of your the head of the snake, if you will, right? right. DeAndre is the, the tail. He's the rattler on uh -huh. the end of that bad boy. But Dennis is the fangs, and he's got to do – you hear Rick all the time talk about um, not necessarily the importance of – with Dennis specifically staying in front of his man, but he wants Dennis to pick up guys full court right. or maybe three-quarters court to where they're not trotting up the floor and getting exactly where they want to go without right. any resistance. Because if you are a defensive player who's not exceptionally long, someone like uh, Nilakina or Deontay Murray right, with a big right. wingspan and quick, you know, Dennis is quick, but he's not very long. If, so if you, in order to overcome that, you just make it a little more you got to you know, redirect. Make it, yeah, make it a little more uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, get up, get up in their face. Beat them to the spot and turn them in a different direction. Yeah, make them cross half court with 17 left on the clock instead of with 22. Yeah. And that way, you know, not only do they have less time to run their action, but they're not in the spot that they want to be. The Mavs did a really good job of that, actually, against, uh, I want to say it was in that New York game. Um, in the second half, they started, or no, it might have been even the first half. I don't know. I think New York is one of those teams that shoots at the wrong goal. Uh, shoots at like reverses it, like Utah started it. San yeah, Antonio yeah. does. It might it. have even been Utah. Then actually, I don't know. It was one of Utah those teams. did it. Okay, yeah. So uh, that that team was on a roll, and Dennis started picking up that guy full court. So then they started having whatever Hardaway or Ingles or a wing started bringing the ball up the floor. And they had to run offense. In fact, it was New York because they were forcing Damian Dotson to run the offense. Mm -hmm. And the Mavs kind of went on a little run just mm -hmm. because if you deny the ball to the point guard off a make or a miss, then it's just, you know, a lot of teams don't have two players that are going to run your offense. Right. So you just pick them up full court, make it a little tough for them, you know, knock them out of their comfort zone a little bit, and boom, there you go. So that's a, that's a key fix because I think that has a tremendous ripple effect. Mm. Um, also, you know, the, they've been a pretty good rebounding team, so now you kind of get your transition game going if you get misses and clear the glass. Yeah. Uh, so that's all real obvious kind of stuff, but it's got to happen. I mean, we can't just sit here and talk about it. It's actually yep. got to happen. And when you get to 2-7 and seven and you start looking around going, well, are we going to fix this or not? And that becomes problematic. Yep. So you started talking about that lineup as well. One thing that we have seen the Mavs do uh, the last couple games is sub Wes out early and bring Finney Smith in. Uh -huh. So I think in that New York game, Finney Smith came in with like eight minutes left on the clock or something, like really early in the game. Kind of reminds me of the old Dirk, Dirk sub pattern. Yeah, exactly. Last season, Dirk checked out at like 7.05, like almost yeah. every game. So you bring in Finney Smith, and that lineup had a pretty good game, you would think. The problem is the Mavs' best lineup. So you think this is a this is a good thing that they're doing. So their, their best lineup, Berea, Brunson, Kleber, Powell, and Wes Matthews okay. is their best group this season at plus 26.8 uh, points per 100 possessions, better than their opponents. They Let me guess. They've played together for 10 minutes. 25 minutes. Okay. Across, I believe, two games, if not three. Yeah. Something very, very yeah, small. Yeah, it's been a small sample. I mean, it was real noticeable in the Laker game. Yeah. And then you got the Knicks game. So it, 
I don't recall. Maybe they did do it in the San Antonio game. I, I got to be honest, Bobby. I don't remember. I don't think that they did. Uh, but I, it stood out in the Laker game. Because yeah. Part of the reason to us because West came back in firing. Yeah, he did. He had 19 in the first half, didn't he? Yeah, he was he was yeah. great in that game. Um, so you'd think, okay, so if that's their best lineup, then we want to go to that more, which would mean that you'd put Finney Smith more with the starters. Well, the problem is their worst lineup is Dennis, Doncic, Barnes, Jordan, and Finney Smith. They're minus 28 points per 100 possessions in 21 minutes. So, again, it's small sample size on both of these, and that lineup has only played together in two games. Yeah. So it's a very small sample size, and if you get – whenever you're playing 20 minutes, if you have two bad minutes, that could destroy your rating. Absolutely. But that kind of illustrates – the, the the juggling act that Rick Carlisle is performing is, well, we have a lineup that works great, but in order to maximize that group's minutes together, we have to go to a lineup that hasn't yet worked for us. Yeah, and that uh, that lineup sounds like the cement trunk that dr- truck that just <laughs> drove by and probably <laughs> audio blasted our podcast. It's the same effect that lineup is having as that truck just had on our podcast. Yeah, you got to have – so one thing that came out of practice today, this is Monday, so the day before the Wizards game, one thing that Rick said is that he wants to start subbing more regularly. Mm-hmm. So playing guys in shorter bursts. We've seen uh, that starting lineup ever since Barnes came back. That group has played like eight, nine straight minutes together. And I think part of that was trying to reintegrate him into the offense and get these guys comfortable with what they're doing. But whenever you play eight or nine minutes straight together in the third or fourth quarter, you're going to be tired. Yeah. You know, those last couple minutes, you're – you might have a great five minutes, but then those last four, you're going to be struggling because you're going to be – That's always a key like when you have those – Bench lineups in, and they're doing great late. Is all right. When do we pull the cord? You got to find the perfect time to bring the guys back in. Yeah, these guys are hot, but they they will hit a wall. It just happens at the end of games. Yeah, it happened. Well, yeah, and it might even happen in the first quarter. Yeah, you never know. So I think he he has said that they're going to start trying to do more like every few minutes. You bring a new guy in. You're you're mixing more starters with more reserves, so that way it's not like starters for eight minutes, bench for eight minutes, starter for eight minutes. Because, I mean, you're getting, like, DeAndre's playing, like, 36 minutes in some of these games. And yeah. that's just, whether or not, whether you're 30 or 20, 36 minutes is a lot as a center. I mean, you're, you're covering so much ground. You think of a center as, you're like. You're running more than you did in the past. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and you think of center as, well, you're not really doing that much. But, dude, DeAndre does. I mean, he's banging. He's, he gets 20 rebounds a game or whatever. I mean, that's that's hard work. Absolutely. You know? So, if you're playing 36 minutes, you might not feel it in the first quarter, but you might in the fourth quarter. Or you might build in the third game in five nights exactly. kind of routine. Yeah, and whenever they have a back-to-back, yeah. uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, they go to Utah on Wednesday, which I, is just a fortress. It's going to be tough. I thought DeAndre looked uh, just bel- sub-DeAndre in the Laker game, which was the third game in four nights yep. with two trips mixed in. Yeah, it was a lot of time zones, man. I was definitely – I was sub-Bobby in that game. <laughs> is I that was, right? I was ready to go home. Right. Um, okay, so that Lakers game is actually a good place to start for my next little thingy that I wanted to bring up. Um, so their offense right now, I think – I mean, I'm trying to think of a, a polite way to say it. It's been clunky at times. Yeah. It's been clunky. They're, Disjointed. Yeah, they're good off a miss or a turnover. They've really struggled when an opponent makes a shot. So before the Knicks game, their effective field goal percentage, which basically counts threes as one and a half shots, uh-huh. uh, their effective field goal percentage off a opponent made shot or free throw was like forty eight percent, which is you want to be above fifty, baby. Very bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in fact, nowadays you want to be like fifty two, fifty three, yeah. which is what they were. They're about fifty and a half to fifty one off a missed shot, 
and they're like above 70 off of steel and obviously steel is going to lead to runouts and right. stuff but so obviously what do you want to do you want to force misses you want to force turnovers you don't want to force makes when an opponent <laughs> is making a shot it's tough to score and then whenever you're missing it's easier for them to score so this is just a vicious uh uh kind of self-fulfilling prophecy if you miss a shot they're going to score and then you're going to miss another one right you know? so whenever they've had to break down a set defense it's been a lot of dennis bring it up the floor and have DeAndre set a screen and then hope something happens. And if nothing happens off that first penetration, you kick it out to DeAndre, and that's whenever Luca or Barnes or West will cut off of him and you have some backdoor stuff. And some of that has worked. Some of that has led to some turnovers. But I think it's not the most desirable way to run the offense. You want to have more free-flowing style where you're not playing through DeAndre at the elbow. Um, but I think the reason that they're doing that so much is because Dennis, when he comes off these DeAndre screens, if you remember the Lakers game, JaVale got called for 3D uh, or D3. What do you even call it? D3 probably? Defensive three seconds. Yeah. Twice in the first quarter. Yeah. And he could have been called for it about 50 times. But if you do it every time, they're going to get bored of calling you for violating the rules. So JaVale was just camped under the rim. Yeah. And they did the same thing in the Knicks game. They did the same thing in the Spurs game. LaMarcus I mean, like, was camped in the Dude, same LaMarcus time. ain't stepping out on the perimeter yeah. guard Dennis. Like, he knows better than that. Right. You saw what happened to Powell last year when Powell tried that. So teams are going to do that. They're going to sag their center way off because they don't have to step out on DeAndre. They don't really have to step out on Dennis. So whenever you have – you're trying to turn Dennis DeAndre into a two-on-one, and it really becomes kind of a one-on-two – because Dennis's man recovers and DeAndre's man is guarding the rim. So yeah. Dennis is like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. So that's led to some pull-up jump shots or to that DeAndre sort of elbow fulcrum stuff. Um, I think one thing that they tried toward the end of last year that they should or maybe will try to do again uh, or do more of, I guess, is have Barnes as the screener instead of DeAndre mm -hmm. as often, I guess. But you could have DeAndre on the baseline waiting to duck in, kind of like what Dwight Powell does. Uh, whenever Dirk is out there, because if Barnes is setting a screen, his man has to come out because you're probably going to switch one through four. Yeah. So you're the guy that's guarding Barnes is going to be a pretty good wing defender who you trust to defend Dennis. And if they switch, then Barnes's man is on Dennis, which means Dennis's man is on Barnes, and Barnes is really good at scoring against ones. Mm -hmm. So that's just one way to try and kind of junk it up or use like if Doncic is bringing the ball up the floor, use Dennis to set a screen for him. Just, like, use different players than DeAndre. Right. Because it, it forces a different defensive response from your opponent. And then DeAndre becomes a dive guy. Yeah. And that's even more dangerous because if Dennis beats a four-man who he's not supposed to beat but does because he's so fast, the center has to step up. And that's when DeAndre just – I mean, you see that happen with Luka all the time. Luka right. will turn the corner, and then he did that little uh, fake Robin Lopez out of the gym and did it to DeAndre against the Knicks. He had one where he kind of – bounced it to DeAndre around a, a man. So DeAndre as a dive man I think is really, really good, and that that's one way to prevent opponents from just, like, basically building up a campsite in the lane right. just waiting for you to come there. Yeah, and it, and it – I mean, obviously the easy thing to say is if Dennis can become a more effective jump shooter, they can't go under the screen anymore. Yeah, uh, he's getting there. He's but not there not yet. Not there yet. Right. Um, and it actually it's interesting. His field goal percentage numbers are up. His assists are down. I mean, even the other night, he had a good scoring night, but he had six turnovers and zero assists. I believe that's what it was. Yep. Um, and that, that ain't going to cut it. I no, think, no, 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 no. Uh, that's so, also not going to happen very many more times. No, I would agree with that. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's one, you can have different screeners. Uh, but, number two, once Dennis, quote-unquote, keeps him honest, they won't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's an area he's got to improve, and they'll have a ripple effect. What uh, – I mean, in your kind of experience from watching – 
a lot of NBA basketball over the years. How long does it take guys to, even once you think that they're good enough to command respect, it feels like the game plan is like always a year or two behind, uh-huh. right? So let's say Dennis, starting tonight, is able to hit that little pull-up 18-footer 43% of the time. That's like just good enough to where you're going you're gonna to step out a little more. Is it going to take defenders two years to start stepping out? I mean, are, are they going to do it later this season? Or is it going to be next year? I yeah, mean, that's I, a good question. Um, it just depends on how quickly it's punished. You know, is it, do they do it enough to punish another team? Because mm-hmm. there's certain things that you just concede, right? Yeah. As long as you're minimizing the amount of damage that it's doing. I really, quite frankly, think one of the best possible futures for Dennis is more of a side pick and roll as a secondary action. Luca starting the action and then reverse the ball and let him work because what happens is is generally the secondary action the help side defense is not as attuned to stopping that yep. they're more attuned to the primary action mm. so i mean i think at some point there may be more of that kind of a shift and i think we saw that in the third quarter of the spurs game everything ran through luca yep um and i've heard people you know pontificate on this D- dennis isn't anti that dennis is uh, relationship with Lucas is good with any two peoples on the team. You know, their significant others hang out and all those kinds of things. They're tight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I see, like, speculation of all this stuff. The stuff, I'm sure you see it, too, on Twitter. Hey, this guy's jealous, and that guy's this, and that guy's this. I was like, no. Using the term freeze out, dude. Yeah. Like, come on. No. Players don't freeze out guys that feed them the ball. No, they don't. All right? What, what's happening right now is it's called two and seven. Yeah. That's what's happening. And I think people would be shocked at how many behind-the-scenes dust-ups and arguments and altercations and all these things that go on every single year with every team and every sport. Dude, you and I fight like every day. Every day. But you don't see it because usually me and Bob have a high winning percentage. Yeah. But when it becomes – We ain't never lost. But when it becomes two and seven, people's body language changes. People don't like to wear L's. Competitive people that have pride don't like to walk around town two and seven. So then you go, well, what's wrong with that guy's body language? He's two and seven. That's He's what's mad. wrong with his body language. Yeah. It's not some nefarious thing going on here. Uh, you know, people are just too quick to project that stuff. These guys are pissed and their uh, their uh, egos are bruised right now because they know what it's like to start the year with two wins and double-digit losses because they did it the last two years. Yeah. So there is a sense of urgency right now that is being worn on their body language. The flip side is... They're just laughing and smiling, and then you know your your dad will text you and say, "Why are they so happy when they're they right. should be they should be mad?" And well, they are mad now, but you're mad that they're mad, right? So you want them to be happy, but what, you know the whole the whole play where DeAndre got the rebound over Luca and the internet broke. Yeah, dude, just go watch an NBA game. What centers are giving up those rebounds? <laughs> it's instinct. It's not even like, hey, he's stat stuff. And no, it's what he does. He mm. goes and gets the ball. Centers that are seven feet tall don't acquiesce to wings to get rebounds. Mm. What team does that happen on? The only one that happens is the Thunder, but everybody makes fun of Westbrook for stat padding by going after that. So and you know what? Russ outworked the big yeah. to get that. That's True. not, oh, here we go. Russ outworks everybody. Yep. That's why he gets all those rebounds. Mm. He goes harder than anybody. Yep. It's just every. It's all overblown because they're, they lost to Atlanta and they shouldn't have. They lost to the Knicks and they shouldn't have. They probably should have gotten one of those games in San Antonio or L.A. Two and seven sucks. Two and seven. They're wearing suck. it. 
They're wearing it with their body language and they're wearing it with their attitudes. If they were five and four, none of these discussions would go on. It would actually be really charming. That video would be charming. Right. I'm sure oh they my would ask Luke about it after the game. He'd have been like, Oh, DeAndre, oh, right. what a guy. DeAndre would be like, I didn't even see him there. I was eyeing on the ball, you know. Yeah, you know, I had my eyes on the win that we were about yeah. to get. You know, that's right. a W and all that stuff. Yeah. Losing losing will drive you insane. Yeah, and if you care. Yeah. And if you don't have guys that care, you ain't going anywhere. Yeah. And one person that cares, and that's the whole report. Honestly, like, I'm very surprised that Rick even brought that up at practice yesterday, talking about addressing the report, whatever, whatever, whatever. Wes talking with Donnie. Uh-huh. Like, Wes it gets mad all the time. If Wes, gets, if Wes messes up, he gets mad. Yeah. Because like, he's a competitor. Like, he will get his someone's elbow planted in his cheekbone and he gets up and keeps playing like right. that, that guy is insane whenever he's on the floor so of course he's going to be a little emotional like he's a very emotional guy you have to be in order to take the beating that he takes every single time he plays and still play the way that he does i, I talked to somebody that kind of knew what was going on there and they were so surprised that that became a big deal they're like man do, do people not know wes yeah it's like first of all my understanding is that donnie's got an open door you know, because he's got a good connection with all the players. Dude, Donnie's the nicest guy in the world. Donnie's like, awesome. You're, you're, it's impossible to be mad at Donnie. Right. And so my understanding was that that was a positive conversation about how do we turn this around. But people that don't really know what they're watching or know what they're saying mm-hmm. turn it into a thing that it wasn't. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't there watching that or hearing that. But the person I talked to was, like, really surprised that it was made into such a big deal. I was like, wow, do they not know who Wes is? Yeah. Really? It kind of reminds me of that, even though Wes is nowhere He's nothing like this person, uh, at least as far as I know. But uh, that video of uh, during, I believe, a Lions game, Lions-Cowboys game a few years ago, whenever it looked like Dez the was Dez just thing. irate on the sideline. And then the Cowboys released the audio of that conversation. And right. were, Dez was saying, like, we're the best in the league of that, Tony. we got to keep going to that. Like, Trying to build guys up. Yeah, exactly. But it looks like he's furious. So like The, the other thing, too, is, is it matters if the teammates – have a problem with the guy mm. man so my buddy our buddy i should say jared sandler oh yeah that does uh play-by-play for the texas legends texted me after their media day and said once again just like last year every single guy in this locker room that has spent time with the mavericks is raving about what an incredible teammate wesley matthews is Dude. i didn't ask him he texted me that unprompted yeah like like clockwork ask a teammate about wes every there's no wesley person. matthews problems going towards the team or the team coming back towards him. It's just people don't know what they're watching, and they just don't – they're confused. Yeah, do you want to know who idolizes Wes? Dorian Finney-Smith. No doubt. Who might – and this is obviously pure speculation – he might end up taking Wes's starting job. Oh, sure. And he, like, worships Wes. But you know what? I can guarantee you this. If they decide that Wes needs to come off the bench, I guarantee you Wes will be involved in that decision – and we'll be all about it. It's just like Dirk, man. Like we, that that's what really bums me out of just about the way that people feel about Wes. I know he's not the best player in the world. He's never going to make an All Star team, and he's getting older as humans do. Yep. And whenever you get older, you lose a step. But the difference between him and Dirk, as far as like doing what's best for the team, are almost non-existent. Yeah. Like Dirk, voluntarily, well, volunteered to come off the bench. He hasn't played yet, obviously, so he hasn't come off the bench yet. But as soon as he's healthy, he will. Yeah. And whose idea was that? It was Dirt. his. Yeah. Like, Wes is now – I think it's trending in that direction. I think that's fair to say. Especially if the losses keep coming, you want to see – you, you got to try some new things. Yeah. You know? And uh, – but I will say in the meantime, 
against New York, I think he only he was only two of six. But in the two or three games before that, dude, he was so good. He was so good in that Lakers game. That's oh, what yeah. bummed me out about that foul on LeBron because it was, bad fa- dude, it was, it was a, a sour bad foul. ending. It was a sour ending to a really good performance by him. Wes will tell you it was a bad foul. Yeah, and and it was. But you know what? He was trying to make a play, and you're not stopping LeBron full court. Nobody is. Right. I mean, it's the things that you do when you're competing at the highest level in a split second. It's real easy to sit on your couch and go, why'd you do that? Mm. It's like, well, I was competing against LeBron. That's yeah. why That's why it happened. Sorry I didn't give you the perfect execution. Yeah. Well, and the alternative is really to let him come right at you and dunk it on you right. because he had two seconds and he had to go about 20 feet in two seconds. Like, right. LeBron is dunking that ball if you don't stop him. Yeah. And there was no help behind him either. I mean, yeah. it was just – that's a tough play. But anyway, I was really bummed about that because one of the only reasons that they came back from that deficit is because Wes was like a nuclear bomb in the first half. Right. So – I'd like to apologize to everyone that Wesley Matthews is not a 25-year-old in his prime two-guard. Yep. He's not. Yep. And when they got him here, he wasn't. They knew what he brought, and they valued it, and hey, they still value it. You know it. who Wes is not? Kawhi Leonard. He's not. I'm okay with that, though. I mean, I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard in Wes's body. Can we do that? Yeah, that would be cool. Wes's attitude with Kawhi's giant hands and skill set, is that a real creature? Yeah. It's just crazy, man. I mean, it's but then again, it's it's, you know, People just don't know. It, you don't know what you don't know. And unfortunately, I think on the internet, too often people talk like they know everything. Oh yeah. But uh, hey, man, I saw this on TV. Look at it. All yeah, right. You just you don't know. And I mean, <laughs> they're two and seven, dude. Everybody could play better. Like I, Luca is incredible, and he's probably going to be an All Star next season. But he's had some really bad first quarters. Sure. This losing streak. I mean, just, he had a bad three quarters against LA. He did. I mean, he really did. And, and against the Spurs, he scored 31 points, and a lot of that was in the second half. Yeah. Against the Knicks, he he really didn't do much until the fourth quarter. Right. It's not some grand conspiracy theory to you know freeze him out and and you know deflate his stats because the veterans are jealous of him. It's just like things like this happen whenever you're integrating. A second-year point guard who's trying to run the show and now trying to adjust to not running the show. A rookie. And then an all-NBA center. And then, oh, on top of that, your leading scorer of the last two years missed the first four or five games of the season. And now you're trying to get him back up to speed. And I think he, Harrison's, like, finally getting there now. His last couple of games, he's been pretty good. I loved his uh, second half against San Antonio. Yeah. Straight attack mode. And he was really good against the Lakers, too. Yes. A couple of really nice drives. And uh, he's had more and ones than normal. Like, he's... A lot of the times, especially his first season here, he, he would do that thing on drives where he'd, like, jump and sort of fade right. from, like, five feet. Right. Uh, and apparently Rick would, was never a big fan of that shot. Harrison right. would always say that. But uh, now he's just, he's going into the – he's embracing contact. Yes. And he's finishing really with his left. Yeah. That's a good trend. Yeah. And he had a huge three off of Luka feed against the Lakers. Yeah, he did. That, that was big. Dude, that was such a great play by Luka, too. Yep. Oh, my God. And that's the worst part about them losing so much is that Luka's doing things every single game that, like, we've never seen before. Four. Weren't, weren't they down 14 with about four minutes to go? Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a comeback. Yeah. Came up short. We're frustrated, but there, there just there has to be a breakthrough. And I tell you what, if by the time people are listening to this and they're two and eight as opposed to three and seven, we'll be sorely disappointed because this Washington game feels must winny. Yeah, but sort of the next one, you know. Yeah, and I know you got to build, but you they need when you've lost six in a row, the breakthrough's got to happen first. Yeah, and the the big stat, the biggest stat of them all, I would say, is the Mavs have won 15 out of 16 games against the Wizards. Is that right? Yeah, dating back the last eight years. But three of the last four times that the Wizards have beaten the Mavs was at the American Airlines Center. Uh oh. So every stat has two uh, 
two sides to it. Every rose has its thorn, Bob. Oh, wow. Tomorrow's 90s night. That, that, that reference was a little too uh, early for me. Yeah, it might have been late 80s. Yeah. I think that was mid to late 80s. What's your favorite 90s song? Do you, do you have oh, like there, a, can you, uh, do you have mean, a quick answer or do you is there uh, like for some reason the first thing that popped into my head is D'Angelo's Lady, <laughs> but that's a great song. But man, there was just so much great music during that decade. I yeah. love I love what they call golden era early '90s hip hop. Mm. Um, that's a really good era for alternative rock music. Uh, but yeah, give me D'Angelo's Lady, and I don't know have I don't have an answer for you why. Uh, oh, no, I, I was just curious, because I'm mean, yeah. 90s night, so uh, one of my favorites is Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Oh, yeah, great that's a good song. pop hit. Yeah, great song, but we were having a uh, kind of like a, a staff meeting about it or whatever, like the marketing digital team, uh-huh. and uh, we were talking about, like, all right, what's kind of the mood of the team before this game, everything, blah, 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 and uh, I said, you know, they're talking about getting angry, so tomorrow night needs to be a little more Nirvana, a little okay. less in sync, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bring a little uh, bring, bring smells the, like Teen Spirit yeah, or something. Bring the edgy, uh, edgy attitude. Yeah. Uh, so this was kind of a, a an abbreviated one, but Skin's got real life stuff uh, to to handle. Um, are there any final words? Any any last takes you want to get off? I mean, is there anything? I, yeah. We, this was kind of like a therapy session. I think. I for think both we needed us, to vent a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that the next time we do this podcast, the beginning of next week, I feel like the momentum will have turned around. I hope so, man. I, I really so. do feel confident. You have a chance to do it. I mean, at home against Washington, at Utah's tough, but then you come home to face the Thunder, who you've had some pretty good games with at home the last right. few years. I mean, it's just it's time. You know, the the signs have been pointing up. New York was a step back, but after every step back, there's a step forward. So hopefully, hopefully that arrives soon. Uh, we're gonna do it, Bob. We got this. We All got right. this. We're speaking it into existence, baby. Kind of. What a mad baby. Uh, no, like we're speaking uh, success into Oh, into babydom? No, into existence. Oh, is that manifesting? Yeah, baby thoughts? was like a figure of speech. Okay. Like, like friend, you know, instead of baby. Man, I think we took a step backwards during the final 20 seconds. The next we're episode worried. is going to be better, I think. No, no, no. Let's just keep doing this. I like this. Oh, just. Yeah, we're good. Let the awkwardness. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, just let, it, going let it linger. For the next five minutes. Didn't linger a big 90s song by the Cranberries? <laughs> we is. came full circle. God, that is. You are so good at we this. We pulled it out of the ditch. You are so good at this business. All right, Skin. Thank you for joining me at this delicious lunch at this excellent venue on this excellent podcast for this excellent team. We'll see you guys next week. It is numbers on the boards. Whoop, whoop.